me though, oh yeah, oh yeah. Hit me though, oh yeah. Girl B, welcome back to another episode of the FML podcast, episode number 67. You got it. Two tries, but you got it. CCBB. CC or B? People call me B, but my author name is actually CCB, but people call me B. It doesn't matter. CCB. It doesn't matter. My name is Freddie. My name is Lito. And this is the FML podcast, I think. That's what it is. And today we got two guests. We got CCB here. But since I'm on daddy duty, Kennedy, my little, my little one here, until her mama comes and pick her up from my arms so we can keep going with this interview. Hopefully she doesn't disturb it too much, but this is very unprofessional, but we roll. I feel like I did something. She's looking at me like... Stop, she's so cute. <laughs> How's so how y'all doing, doing, guys? I'm good, y'all? Very good. Thank you very much. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl yesterday? Nope. No. None of you guys? No. Not even you? I watched the Super Bowl. It was all right. The coon amongst men and women. Hey, I'm I, I don't joking. watch football. Usually. I ain't mad. I ain't mad at nobody that watched it. I just didn't watch it. No, uh, but you know, I usually don't watch football, but I watched the Super Bowl. Uh, the commercials were all right. I didn't like Tiffany Haddish commercial too much. The group on one. Because you, did you watch it? I've seen the commercial. Um, it just wasn't funny to me. But the um, the Doritos. Mountain Dew commercial that was dope. Where the, it was Busta's song, you know the song he has with Chris Brown, where he has like a a verse, like he spits super fast. Um, I forgot, but I it, it's um the dwarf look, from look Game of Thrones. Now. Look at me now. Yeah, the dwarf from Game of Thrones. He's rapping Busta's lyrics, and Morgan Freeman is doing the same for Missy Elliott's Get Your Freak On song. It, it's a pretty good commercial. Yeah. That was pretty good. Uh, the game itself was pretty good throughout. And the end at the end, Tom Brady's magic didn't quite work. As my baby right now is trying to finesse her way out of it, <laughs> finesse her way out of my lap and get to the floor. But uh, yeah, man, the game the game was all right. It was it wasn't too bad. But you didn't watch the Super Bowl. I stick with my word, and I said I wouldn't watch football all year, and I didn't. That's all it is. And everybody said the same thing. Most people said the same thing, and they actually didn't. Did you, did you watch the halftime show? I didn't watch anything. Okay, let's talk about you, <laughs> CC. Sure. You're a writer. I am a writer. Tell people tell people a bit about yourself. It's really broad. Like we could talk about I like long walks to the fridge. What else do you like? Time. Long you walks to the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> to the fridge? That's a long ass walk. All the way to the fridge. It's a big At ass. Three o'clock in the morning. I you're... open and close it every ten minutes to see if there's new food that has reappeared. <laughs> no. um, so you're a writer. What kind of um writing do you do actually? So I write nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Nonfiction? Is, yeah. Okay. So that's basically I just I write about my life and the shit that I've been through mm-hmm. and the shit that I've learned and how I've overcome certain obstacles. Most Right now, it's most of the books are, except for one, I have an, a fic, an erotica book, but that's fiction. Okay. But most of the books- Why well, wasn't to, that real? <laughs> Some people do think it's real. I just have a lot of people think what they want. But um, as of right now, I, I, a lot of my books are, you know, circled around heartbreak situations, mm-hmm. you know, because it's- And when did you start writing? I've been writing since I was five. 
And when did you decide, you know what, this is the I time mean, for me to actually get this published? Published. So I wanted to be a author, a published author my whole life, but I just... Lived life. Yes, that and a bunch of other things got in the way. And also, too, I didn't understand. So I, pu- I self-publish, okay. but I didn't know that self-publishing existed until maybe four years, four years neither, ago. actually. Yeah. So I was under the assumption all the time that, like, I had to send a manuscript, let it sit on somebody's desk mm-hmm. under a pile of other manuscripts for them to call me and tell me if I'm good enough or not. You You're know? teaching me mm-hmm. something right now. Yeah. And then I, true story. One day I was like very, very frustrated. I was working in a job that I could, I was trying to get the hell out of very quickly, as quick as I could. And um, it had run its course. And I was at my at my workstation at home. And I typed in how to publish a book. And like boom, all of this stuff popped up. And I was like, well, look at that. And then I started doing intense research. And then I was on like. On what exactly? On how to self-publish. Okay, okay. And then I knew I needed a marketplace. So I went to social media. I studied some people who are already using social media, specifically Instagram, as a marketplace. Yes. And I was like, I could do this. And so I started building my page. Once my page hit, I built my page by putting little excerpts and writing just mini short stories. Yeah. Okay. And then once my page hit, I think like 20 or 30K followers, I put out a book. And what's it like putting your life out there? Because you not you don't only do it on your book, you do it also on your social media. Your last, uh, your last post, I think, was two days ago. Yeah, you, was, uh, yeah, I will start crying. So <laughs> you can I'm cry all you want. Not even this is ready great. To even no, talk no, about I'm that joking. part. <laughs> that but, I will cry. But yeah, what is it like putting yourself out there? Because obviously, I mean, even if you wouldn't put yourself out there, people would criticize you. But what is it like, even when you do put yourself out there and get criticized about it? So I think that how can I say this? I know that when I went through a lot of the shit that I went through in my own life, I was searching for someone who was going to be honest about... I was looking for someone to relate, just to know that somebody else had literally gone through the exact same things that I'd gone through and mm-hmm. felt how I felt. And I couldn't find it. What I found were people, authors, who would who would write their stories, but it always felt very sugar-coated, mm. cookie-cutter. And I, I'm... I, you know, I I had not ever heard a woman say, yo, I'm bitter right now. I had never heard a woman say that before. And at that time, that's how I was feeling. I was feeling bitter. I had just been heartbroken. I had given somebody my everything. Mm-hmm. They had, you know, and that's just what came with it as a human being. And I had never heard another woman say that. And I said to myself, yo, like, I'm going to tell stories about how I genuinely felt. And perhaps another woman who's going through the same thing. This is pre-lemonade. There you go. <laughs> Could. <laughs> funny but i get people tell me i was put letters to my ex and it's very it's cool but um i wanted to have a place where people could you know relate and and women could relate and at the same time like i'm a human being and i i i go through shit like anybody else i'm not a highlight reel of like just good things i've had my ups and downs in life and i just don't i just don't care to what talk kind? about that well, but what you said that you were writing since you were five years old. Yeah. Um, may you please tell our listeners what your books are about, mostly. So, so I, so I, to be just to be, I wasn't writing about heartbreaks when I was five. Just <laughs> to be clear, um, I started writing actually because I had severe anxiety as a kid. We didn't know that that it was called that then, but we know it now. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, <laughs> and. Um, so I had severe anxiety as a kid and I had trouble speaking uh, in front of an audience, in front of my mom. And like anytime I was put on the spot, I just yeah. froze up and started crying. It's bad. 
So I began writing just my feelings. And I was very descriptive because my mom would be like, anytime you have something to tell me and you can't get it out, just like write it down. And I always wanted my mom to have a full scope of the story. So like if I was in school and something happened, I didn't want her to just take my word for it. I wanted to have the full scope. So I started writing very detailed, um, very descriptive. And that just followed with me for my whole life. I started, you know, basically documenting my heartbreaks as they happened. I just started documenting everything in my life and I started doing it in a way where it just told a story. There was characters, there were scenes, there were dialogue. It was a cold, so, sunny so, day. Was... So you take stories from your life and put it in your book into stories. So you, I guess you switch the names. Yeah. Anybody trying to get people, sued? But do, do people recognize themselves in your stories? Yeah. And how does, how do you react? Does that create problems? <laughs> yes. So how do you deal with that? Here's the thing. Mm. I consider myself to be very, even though I'm writing about my own life experience, and I have every single right to write about my own life experience. Yeah. I understand that other people are involved in my life experiences, and you gotta. I still have a certain amount of respect for those people's lives, yeah. right? <laughs> I still have a certain amount of respect for their lives, and you know. This is the first and last try. <laughs> this. this is horrible. So, I change. Um, I make sure that. So, for instance, for letters to my ex, you had to have lived that in, like, you had to have lived where we lived at the time and been in our circle of friends to know exactly to know, who okay. I was talking about. Yeah. You couldn't pick up the book and mm -hmm. be like, oh, I know exactly who James is. You don't, mm -hmm. you, you won't know, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, even though, like, only the people who who know, know who it is, I have to be very careful to preserve that person's identity because, again, I could get sued for, like, yeah. For a bunch of fucking things. And I, mm -hmm. I bet some people couldn't even wait to just, mm. you know. So I do change names. I do change jobs. I do change skin tones. Um, I do change. I change as, as much as I can to protect their identity. It could create some problems. Like yeah. if those books become super successful, Cha -cha! those people really could be asking for a check. So yeah. that could create some problems. Just to and let you know, my books are super successful. Well, no, no. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, like, By the way, in the millions, no, like, no. you know, those people would be waiting at your doorstep for a check. It just and, did, oh, sorry. Well, speaking of successful, uh, you said that you self-print. Yeah. Um, how did you distribute those self-printed books and how does it work? So um, Amazon takes care of all of that for mm -hmm. me. I just literally make the book. That's why you'll see like in this book, I think it says proof at the back of it. Mm -hmm. So this is a proof copy, which basically when I'm done the book. When I'm done writing it, formatting, editing, doing the cover, all that, and I upload it. Well, it's not even Amazon. It's actually Create Space, which is a sister company of Amazon, takes care of it. Yeah, I've seen, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. And so, and there's different platforms you could work with. I just chose Create Space because, because they're literally linked to Amazon. Amazon, yeah. So it's just easier that way. And um, once I do that, I order approved copies. They come, my copies. I go over it, make sure everything is okay. And then I hit publish. And then people and you get to ordering. choose hard copy or soft co or so they're white paperback or whatever. You have the hard copy option. However, they're a lot expensive. more expensive yeah, to course, print. Yeah, so yeah. I, I stay away from those. I'm going to do on my next book that's coming out actually. A limited edition? Which is going to, yeah, I'm going to do 50 hard copies. Mm -hmm. and have It's going to be a big book. So um, I'll do that. So when, did, when was your first uh, published book? When did it come? the first book come out? February 28th. 2016 oh it's been two about years. two years and how many books you're at now six yeah, that's damn. pretty damn good thank you 
I've heard. I've, I've heard. How like, big are the books? Are how many pages? About a hundred, from what I can see. No. So a hundred. Two hundred. This yeah. one is a hundred. It looks really easy to read. Yeah. Not like in the content, but like the way it's presented. Wow. In two years, six books. Like you're writing like this uh, black author that's writing with his wife. I forgot uh, their name. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, forgot yeah, their yeah. name, but I listened. To, I listened to them on or on a podcast. Like yo, his story is crazy. Like the way he met his wife and how they started writing and everything, yo, and it, they write fast. Like in their books, Quavo, are, Quavo. yeah. His name is Quavo. If, funny enough, it's true. But yeah, he, he met his wife like hey. running away from the police, and she found his his drugs and brought it to him. And that's how they met, and then that's how they started writing it. And they usually write books about crime in the hood and things like that. Yeah. Urban, and, like hood books. Yeah, those are my favorite kind of books. Like. Yeah, and they're pretty successful at it. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure you're doing uh, What's so just about. Her the name same. is Ashley, right? Ashley and is it I Ashley forgot. and thing? Because I'm I pretty sure. Sh- I remember the Quavo thing though, because okay. the interviews I only heard the husband speak. Yeah. Okay. I never heard the wife. But he's the writer. I think she wrote maybe one book, but he's the writer and she like... No, they, re- they write everything they write together? together. Okay, 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 okay. Like, I they, they started with the wife saying like, I write. And he's like, I could write too. And the wife said like, you can't, you can't, bet bet you you can't write a book oh, before yeah, me to, while yeah, she yeah, was yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. I think she was sick. So it was a way for him like to keep her mind going. Right. And they just started competing, writing books and they just went and now they got a crazy amount of successful books. What's the reaction you get like from people around you like is it positive is it i don't think it'd be negative do you get negative reactions no i don't get negative reactions um i don't you know anybody who's ever been close to me knows that this has been a lifelong dream for me Mm -hmm. um i think that i am in a lot of way people's like yo she did that you know like that person that inspiration yeah like i i came from you, you know you I don't want to say it but you can say it i know i'm very humble i'm just a very humble <laughs> human being i just like, i can't say just you know I let, I, i'd rather let the people speak for me no but um for the most part you know i have a very my circle's mad encouraging i have a, a lot of support you know i did have some issues recently with you know some snakes in the grass that had to be cut mm. uh it's it was very unfortunate but um you know, she's sad about the learn, snake in the grass being cut. <laughs> you learn that you know not everybody is is going to be happy for your success, and sometimes those people are literally people in your own circle for whatever reason it is. You know, most of the time it's just because they're not doing anything, yeah. or they feel bad about where they aren't, and so it's hard to watch you where you are, which is so crazy because it's like, but but you also watch me struggle to get here though. I'm yeah, not yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean. So but, misery loves company. Like some people don't feel comfortable in their own skin, and once they see you right. moving out of your comfort zone and doing better and greater things, they're like, "Nah, man, I can't be left alone here." Right? It's it's madness, and like it's. I always tell people, like, "Yo, like, yeah, I wrote six books in in you know two years, but imagine what goes into a book. Like, it's not a joke. Like, it's." How do you keep focused writing a book? Because even writing a business plan, I'm like, "Yo, fuck this," and throw it out the window. The focus, the focus part is not bad because I'm t- I'm. Because it's my life that I'm Adderall. No, <laughs> I'm drug free. <laughs> the focus part is not is not bad. It's the because I write about my past experiences. It's the con- so anytime I like I'm healed from like letters to my ex. This is a story that happened eight years ago. Like it's mm-hmm. done. It's over with. Like mm-hmm. no, I don't feel nothing anymore about eight this years person. Ago. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Freddie. <laughs> You can't connect the dots. <laughs> All right. But he's like, wait up. <laughs> no. Um, in order to, to create a story that people, that 
that brings people in, mm -hmm. you have to tell it, you have to put yourself back in your old shoes. So that means I'm constantly cutting open old wounds, letting them spill out, draining myself, then closing them back up, then sitting back, then having to be in that moment again of where I was all those years ago, let myself feel pain again, let myself do all these things. It's very exhausting. It's not a joke. And it puts me like... You see, I'd have a problem doing that because I have a problem with feelings. <laughs> okay. Like, once, no, but I'm serious. And I, and I know it's a problem. It's not like I'm just saying that I don't care about anything. What's your sign? Once, uh, Virgo. Once I'm done with something, I'm just done with it. So going back to that feeling would be hard for me. Yeah. We wanted to talk about the Ayanna Jackson interview that, that we watched this week. DJ Vlad is, uh, first he was a DJ, but for years he's been putting out interviews on the internet. Right. And a lot of people have issues with the way he conducts his interviews. One, maybe because he's not on the interview. Right. The focus is on the person. People often think that he's taking advantage of the culture. They basically call him a culture vulture because of his style of interview and the questions and also mostly the guests mm -hmm. that he goes for during his interviews. Right. One of his guests this week was Ayanna Jackson. During the interview, there are many things that come out about the Tupac rape case, the case that sent him to jail for years, or not for years, actually, for months, mm -hmm. until Suge Knight came and bailed him out. Uh, what Did you guys watch the interview? I watched it. I watched it. What did you That's think okay. about the interview? Um, well, first off, I didn't get the point of having somebody 25 years later to come talk about this. He didn't explain his point of having her on. I don't think it was based on the Me Too movement. I think he's taking advantage again of a situation. I could agree with that. I mean, as a woman, as a part of the community, as a woman now. No, I was like, I, I was gonna say, as a woman, I would feel. I was gonna say, as a woman, I would feel offended. If you were a woman, yes, okay, I would. Okay. That's what I said. You can't. You can't. If, you know, you can't I, start. No. You, I know, but you know, you like actually well, can't start. I mean, y'all don't know what my life, what I, I go through. Y'all know right. what y'all know my life. You know, y'all know what I was before this. Do you boo boo? <laughs> no, no heat, no. Judgment. But like I said, if I if I were a woman, I would be offended. As someone that's part of culture, I'm also offended because he's like, he thinks we're stupid. We know why, we, why you're doing this. There's no real value to this interview. It was just for shock. So I didn't. Most of his interviews are for shock. Like most of, the, of his guests, like I said before, mm. are for shock. He goes and picks up guests that the culture may have questions about, probably does have questions about. His questions are triggering what the internet wants to know. They, he's usually going for what they want to know. Right. And those questions sometimes are controversial. And those answers sometimes are also controversial where it shocks people that have been involved in those stories that don't want them those stories being divulged. Or even maybe police. You could bring police the well, way. What's your opinion as a woman of the interview? So um, I definitely don't like the way Vlad conducts his interviews at all. And I especially was really uncomfortable the way he conducted this interview with um, Ayana, just because you could tell that she was super uncomfortable. And even though, you know, nobody forced you to do anything you don't want to do, blah, 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 I get that. However, she just seemed very loopy, like I said, very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But you could tell that she's not dumb because some of the words that she was using are not like she used words like mole. She was yeah, like yeah. used to describe that the average person who doesn't have some type of background education reading something wouldn't use. Mm -hmm. So you could tell that she's not stupid. She just looked very, very, very uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to watch. Even just the way that he chopped it up was just like you could kind of tell that he because he knows people are going to keep want to watch the sec like he wants clicks. 
the more clicks yeah, you yeah, get yeah, on yeah. YouTube, that's why you break up the videos. Because like, why wouldn't you just do it in one video? It didn't really make any sense to me, but okay. Um, well, he does that a lot of times because he wants, first of all, views. Right. Um, he wants people to really watch the whole interview. Because if he puts it in one block, it would be an hour and a half interview. And sometimes people won't care to watch that. Well. If you put, make it that long, people will be less inclined to watch it. So when you cut it up in 15, 20-minute portions, people will digest those better. And a lot of times it's different topics. But I think that depends on the audience that you have. Because if you are good at what you do and you put out quality content, it doesn't matter how long. People who are here for your, your style and for your flow mm. will stay for it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't think that Vlad has an audience that is loyal. To, I think people just check in when, yes. when it's shit interesting. is popping off. Yes. You know? So, and I think he knows that. And so... He, like I said, clicks. You, you could tell, like, it just, it's very unauthentic to me. The whole, the, the whole interview? Whole, the whole thing. You know, I, like I said, I was reading through the comments and a lot of people were just going in on this, on this woman who was trying to tell a story that happened 23 years ago, mm. 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to tell it as best she could. Obviously something that if you are a victim of rape, it's not something you really want to, you know. Address or speak about. Speak about. Yeah. It must it must be kind of hard. And people were talking about, well, why is she laughing? She's set, you know, she set up, I guess her and the two other guys, Nigel and Trevor, something. They were saying that it was all a setup for Tupac and all this stuff. And I, I was just like. I have two opinions about it. Um, on one side, I'm like, why bring up something? Again, th everything you said, I agree with completely. And then on the other side, I'm like, why bring up, the like, Tupac, like it or not, has, he has a legacy, right? Right. And I'm not even a. I think Tupac is one of the greatest of all time, but I'm not like a big, huge Tupac fan. But at the same time, somebody that died 25 years ago, and for for the woman herself to say, "I don't think I don't think Tupac raped me," I just think he could have stopped the situation. Obviously, he was guilty of I think it was sexual harassment or something like that, sexual assault, because he he didn't stop. Like if you if somebody kills someone in front of you, you're, you're supposed to try to stop them, especially if the whole thing started because of you. So. Since she got raped because she was there with him and he didn't try to stop, he was a, he was guilty of that. But at the same time, like if you're not gonna bring content and like bring value to the interview, why have an interview about a man that died 25 years ago? If you again, if you there's no real content to it, this, it doesn't bring anything to the woman. It doesn't bring anything to Tupac. It doesn't bring anything to to the culture or to people because there's no lesson to, to to come of it afterwards, right? So that's that was my problem with the interview, honestly. Well, I think I think we need to be careful when we say things like there's no what's the matter, boo boo? Everything's gonna be okay. She was like, You guys are recording now? <laughs> Bet. <laughs> um, I think we do need to be careful when we say things like there's no lesson to be taught or there you know, or that from the interview. From the interview, yeah. yeah. Um the thing about it is that I think that a lot of people get wrapped up in artists and what they represent for the culture. Mm -hmm. So such as like legendary rappers, legendary singers. Executives. You know, assume. exactly. And people get caught up in who they, what they represent to us and they forget that they're people too. Mm -hmm. And so when you, like there's a saying like, never meet your idols because you might be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yep. When you, if you strip Tupac of, you know, his name and when, if you strip him of that and his accolades, as a entertainer, as a rapper, he's just a regular human being. Yeah. And if you really pay attention to, like, it's no secret that, you know, until up until now, hip hop was very much a rape culture. Yeah. Like, and there, it still is. Like, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. now it's there's light being shed on it, but you know, it, very much. Um, and as a woman, I could tell you how many situations that I've been in. Like, guys don't really try that with me because I'll 
<laughs> it'll be a problem. But they've tr- like little, mm-hmm. you know, and I've seen my friends in situations where guys are like, yo, did, and it's just like, you will try it, you know? And how many songs do we hear? We hear songs where the guy's like, you know, how many drinks is going to take you to get with me, um, <laughs> to leave with me, put Molly in her drink, do this, do that. Like, this is, this is a real thing. So I don't really think that this girl 25 years later was like, she's not getting, it's not like she's making money off of this. It's not like she could sue somebody off of mm. this. It's not like, this is a story that, and even when she, back then when she told her story, from what my research told me, she remained anonymous because mm. she was afraid she was also young, right? She was really young. She was afraid of the backlash. And so she, people didn't even know who she was. She was just a woman who came forward and said this about, you know. And when you listen to Pac's interview about what had happened that night, side by side with her interview, it's not much difference. The only difference really is that, you know, she says that she was raped. Yeah. He says that he left the room. Yeah. You left the room. Oh, Pac's wrong. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. I hope you don't get it. In, like, don't get it twisted. I think I don't... I don't I don't know what you're thinking, but for myself, I think Pac was wrong from the beginning to the end. Like, I think Pac was wrong in the fact that um, he was in a room with a girl and he let other dudes come in the room and didn't do much about it. But I think there are many holes in this woman's story. You did say holes with an L, right? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 thought you were, I thought you were suggesting holes. No, no, no. There are many holes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, because that's what they, they actually tried to paint her out at, as, right? Because yeah. she, they went in and they, you know, really um, honed in on the fact that she met him at the club and she gave him head on the dance floor and Ray Tay Tay. But it's like, groupies exist. Yes. You know, it's, the fact of the matter is, no matter how many ways a, a girl, a woman, 19-year-old, whatever, you know, she's excited. She's, it's Tupac. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. 19, I'm going to fling. Yay, Tupac wants me to suck his dick. Like, okay, you know, oh, Tupac wants to, you know, fuck me. Okay, cool. But it's like, no matter how many times a groupie or whatever flings her vagina any which way, it has to be consensual either way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't give you the right just because she slept with 30 guys in the room that you could be number 30, 31. 31, 32, and 33 without her permission. No. But the thing is, there's something when you meet someone, right? And especially for women, it's unfortunate, but there's somewhat of a double standard. And I feel like in order for a man to still respect you, there are some boundaries that you have to set when you meet I think man. I go for men and women. Yes. So if I meet you and the first thing I do before even we even have eye contact is put my hand hey. in your back pocket hey. and you turn around. And you're not checking me on that. You already lost some respect points. Yeah. If we go to the dance floor and I don't know, within a few seconds, within a few minutes, we're kissing on the dance floor. I'm thinking I could take this further. Okay. If I push your head down to my penile area, there's a whole torso area that you have to go down before you get there. Mm -hmm. Like you can stop me from doing that. And okay, she says she didn't give him head. She just she might have kissed it, even if she did, and came back, which is cool. And then they went back to the hotel yeah. and had sex. She couldn't remember how many times they hooked up afterwards, and if they did have sex or not. I think if there's a case, she would remember. She did say it. she said two. To no, three she times. said they had two sex, uh, two three times that night. Yeah, and but he asked her afterwards, how many times did you guys hang out? She said two three times. And he asked her, did you guys have sex every single time? She said she no. Said no. She said no. Yeah. And then she was like, well, um, I... And then no. 
And that could be interpreted different ways because the night of the incident is another time, right? Yeah. So it could be what she was debating in her mind. Yeah. There's also where she says that when she gets to the room, she goes to the room with Tupac. And they're in the room. She's on top of him. And people come in the room. And she doesn't think anything of it. If like, you're in the room with someone, you should jump up. Okay. I'm just going to pause you for yeah. a second. Yeah. What she said was, is that she was in the room. She was straddling him. Mm-hmm. He took her hair in her in his hand and pulled her down to kiss her. Mm-hmm. The door opens. People start coming in. He's still holding her head. And she, she said that she tried to lift her head up to see what was going on. And he must have told her something along the lines of relax or calm down or something like that. But he wouldn't let go of her. Mm-hmm. And as she was trying to lift her head, like she's like, she's straddling him and she's like looking at him in his eye. And she's like, yo, like what the actual F? And people start coming in and feeling on her and carrying on. She is a 19-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. So regardless of, and regardless of whatever age, but the fact of the matter is, I'm, I'm speaking as a woman now. If I am, let's just say I'm with, I don't know, whatever, I whatever, who cares? My I'm 19 years old. I am like with this, this superstar, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, that he always calls for me. He checks for me. He sends a card for me. Every yep. time I'm like, yo, like this is what's happening. Yeah. I go to his hotel for him. I'm not going for him and six of his boys. I'm going for mm-hmm. him. And in that moment, I can't, you know, it's a very scary thing to be closed in on by men. Yes. When you're alone. Yes. Okay. It's I a very, definitely very, very agree scary with that. thing. Um, even as somebody, you know, just me just walking down the street and I have a mouth on me, mm-hmm. but I can guarantee you that if there's if I'm walking by a group of guys at a certain time of night and they're like, yo, man, da, 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 I say absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Because I'm afraid. Yes. Deadass, you know? So I can't imagine you're in that moment and she said that she froze and he froze, but he also said that they both froze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So guys are coming in the room. What do you do? And I think another thing we're forgetting is that's you're, where you're Tupac is. Years that's old. where Tupac is she's wrong. A, she's a, she's a little. I don't want to say a little girl, but like you're not. She, I think one thing we we also know? we always forget about Tupac. I know for myself, Tupac was 24. Yep, at that time, even younger than that, you died at 25. 25 that was three years before, 22. so 22. Tupac was 22, and let's say majority of those guys were street guys. Yep, they were probably older than him. Yep. Right. So when that happened. What was his reaction like? Right. What, what is he thinking? Like, fuck, do I let this happen? Obviously, they all, they already spoke about it because mm-hmm. he would have. I think so. He I think he told reaction. them like try to come in the room. He probably no, told them. He, they probably told him, "Yo, we need we we are gonna try to come in the room." And ain't nothing he could say to that. Well, actually, there is an interview. I mean, there where, is something he can say to it, but there is know. an interview where he says he didn't say anything. He said, "What am I gonna say?" Because if I say something, it's as if I'm claiming her to be my girl. Yeah. Right. You know, that's peer pressure that you could see that Tupac was feeling. It's, it's crazy. Where, that's where he's wrong, People right? People often forget he was really young, and that's a young man's response, a young immature guy's response that I can't claim that she's my girl. Right. It is very, very, very immature. Especially if you've been telling them that you're dogging the girl. When really you may be treating her treating her just right, but because they're there now, you, yeah, can, you yeah, have yeah. to put a, a front that oh no, she's, she's just some chick. And if you listen to the interview, like the night where it was him and her was very different from the night when they were to get with all the guys. Like the way he was treating her that first night compared to the way that he was treating her that last night. And I'm not even talking about the sex part. Even before that, when she said that he was like he kind of seemed nonchalant or he wasn't really like into it the, or, or into her at that moment. 
that was very different from the from the first night where they were alone and she said she had a great time with him and everything. And again, I think Tupac was in the wrong. There is some at least sexual assault that went on that night yeah. because the thing is another hole hole <laughs> that I found in the story H-O-L-E. is <laughs> is that you say that people are ripping your clothes but why while they're ripping your clothes you say you also have sex in the room while they're there yeah and then you say that you're straddling him mm-hmm. and Tupac eventually leave and you don't quite notice when he leaves that's I don't see how that could happen. So she actually did say that she, which, okay, so here's the thing I think that we also need to remember. People deal with traumas very differently. Yeah. And so she actually did say that she felt her, like she knew she was there, but at one point she kind of just blacked out. Out of body experience. And so experience. she had a, like her little out of body experience. And I think it's really important to remember that this this happens. Mm-hmm. And so when you're trying to, to recant something that, uh, recount something that happened 25 years ago and you've had this like you blacked out in order to save so usually when something bad happens you retreat inside yourself you know you will you'll black out you'll retreat inside yourself as a as a defense mechanism defense mechanism right when this and i'm speaking from experience not from not as right but i'm speaking from experience from having these moments mm-hmm. where you just like yo also too the the question the way that vlad was questioning her was very just you could tell she felt unsafe you can tell she felt like uh, like she she had to get very quickly. She kept repeating herself. She would go back and then mm-hmm. she'd be like, wait a second. No, hold on. I'm sorry. This happened so long ago. I'm trying to think. She wants to give a proper. She she knows she's being filmed. She knows what's gonna, like it's going to go out there in the world. She wants it to be addressed as best she can. Mm-hmm. But Vlad's questioning set her up to kind of be, you know, he said things like, okay, so you had sex. You had sex. And she had to tell him like three times, like, actually, no, I didn't. <laughs> I got raped. Well, and to your hold up to your point, Vlad was so bad that he's conducting an interview about Tupac. That's something that's been documented. Something that's there's been a movie about not too long ago. And then also you're interviewing the person that was allegedly raped by by Tupac or by his friends. Mm-hmm. And you don't take the time to to figure that Nigel and Haitian Jack are the same guy. And then you say it yourself, and then the girl. <laughs> Who's yeah. trying to say the story? Kennedy agrees. Fucks up. I'm yeah. so sorry. Messes up. <laughs> she agrees. <laughs> messes up, and then you come back and say, "Well, wait, Nigel and Jack right. are the same person." Now you're you're conf- you confused. You said you were confused. You confuse her, and then now you come back and ask the question as if she's confused. Yeah. So there's it there's no bad. there's no value at all, no merit to to Vlad at all in this no. interview. Well, again. Vlad is a shock jock in some sense. Uh, the interviews, I think he does a little research, but it's not like a you know that was thorough. There wasn't much research to, to be done there, man. Exactly at all. And, and to be honest with you, I did not know that. Like when they asked, when he asked about a Nigel and a Trevor, mm. I'm like, there was another Nigel because when I watched a Tupac movie, H and Jack was named Nigel in the movie. Yeah. Right. So I figured. It was probably because of, you know, you can't use the man's name, so, so they use so why, another okay, name. So why did he even, how did he even come up with Nigel? This is how bad Vlad is. How did he even come up with Nigel? Well, maybe he actually did some research and the name Nigel was on the research. If the name Nigel comes up, it's because you're researching about the Tupac movie. N- no, maybe in the cases his name was said. His name is his name is online. It has nothing to do with Nigel. No, what I'm saying is mm-hmm. the girl might have gone to the precinct and said Nigel. So the no, name is in the, the case. The name Nigel is used in... The movie Tupac. And it's for the reason you said. It's because they weren't using his name as Asian Jack. No, I think he was in real life 
known as Nigel no, as he well. Wasn't. She says that. No, he says Nigel, then she he confuses her, and then she comes back and says, Wait, no, there was no Nigel. She said that she thinks that Nigel and Haitian Jack are We're one and the, the same. same. Are one and the same. Yes. So basically he's saying that they called him Nigel then. No. He used the word the name Nigel because he fucked up when he was probably doing his research. Maybe. And the thing is, again, like you said, like she was hesitant in some answers. Like she she was repeating herself, going back and forth. But there are also some answers that I feel like she didn't want to answer. And if you don't want to, don't just don't do the interview. Like if you check in the part one of the interview when he asks her, like, you know, how many times you you guys had sex. If you don't want to answer, say you don't want to answer or just don't give the answer. Because I'm pretty sure he privyed you to what type of question he was going to ask you. So you were aware. So why are you hesitating then? That's where basically some people may think that your story is not thorough. Yeah. That you might be lying. That you might be switching things up. Which is unfortunate because mm -hmm. I really do think there was some sexual assault going on that night. Maybe not by Tupac, but by some of his friends for sure. And as a friend of someone, if someone is having sex with a girl, I really don't like the gangbang thing, like going in a room to be number two or number three or number four. Mm -hmm. I don't see the appeal there. Like, I don't understand the appeal. I, mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't know why people do that shit. It's, it's, it's horrible. So you're saying I think that she put herself in a predicament where oh, she careful, could, careful. She, <laughs> yeah, well, being in that setting in a room with Tupac once you see people coming in a room and the thing is he's holding her that's where it's debatable right he's holding her but I feel like there's some ways that she may have you know what I can't say that I wasn't there so I, I can't say how it was done I wasn't there what you were about to say and what you started saying is really a problem that needs to be that that people say often and it needs to stop because it doesn't matter like people say things like you shouldn't have put yourself in that in the predicament you shouldn't have but the problem is is that it doesn't matter what predicament women are in who get raped every single day like the the issue is is that a woman could be walking to the grocery store at two o'clock in the afternoon wearing sweatpants and a hoodie and she'll get raped. Very like, you possibly, understand? Yes. Like just like so when people say, Oh, you shouldn't put yourself in in a predicament or a position where you're in a hotel room with, you know, three or four guys or five guys. The, the, the problem with saying that is that what you're also saying to men is that men are fucking animals and can't control themselves enough, to, which is disrespectful to men too, right? I'll, I'll say that. Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't, not to cut you off, I don't necessarily agree. There's there's certain situation. It's just like you shouldn't play with matches, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody plays with matches with fire and you're saying nothing's going to happen, but sometimes shit happens. Okay. And I'm not saying shit happens like it's okay to rape a woman. Not at all. And what I'm telling you is, yes, women should put men in that category. Not to say that all men are crazy, but keep it keep in mind that some men are crazy. Some men are immature. Some men are rapists. Some men are pedophiles. Some men are whatever. And and that goes for some women also. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's Yes, I understand what you're saying. But telling a woman that she has to constantly be... Like, it's like we teach... We constantly teach women that mm -hmm. we need to protect ourselves. We need to do this. We need yeah. to go this. We need to be careful. We need to look over shoulders. Whatever. But 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 who teaches men that you need to not do these things? That's what I all and that comes agree. back to my point. I always say we need like the problem. You know what the problem really is? The problem isn't teaching men. You don't teach an old dog new tricks. 
you have to teach boys. Right. Okay. So yes, I use so boys. Obvi- and obviously, you have to tell men that some some things are wrong, some things are right, and some men will learn. But we can't we can't keep raising boys as if they can do whatever they want. They no. can have f- five, six, seven, eight girlfriends, and then when they grow up a certain age, you tell them, you know what, you got to slow down on that. You can't do that. Exactly. Anymore. Absolutely. Just like you. Exactly. And you, we have to stop saying things like if you want to put. I, listen, it's a it's a it's a tricky subject because. Me personally, mm-hmm. would I would I find myself in a hotel room alone with six guys? No, I wouldn't. However, I don't even blame her for that but because however, she went to see Tupac yeah. only, exactly. and they went in the room by right. themselves. That's My only issue is when she said she didn't think anything of it when people came in the room. Right, but at the same time, it's like if I were going to meet somebody that I was kicking with, mm-hmm. and he, I was kicking it with, we're having a good time, and yeah. he there happened to be like she didn't know there was going to be other people there. From what I understand, yeah, she walks in agree. and there's a whole bunch of people there. She's with a man who she's been kicking it with. Mm-hmm. And so she feels safe with him. She's there for him. They We're go going into the room together. Into a room and that's us. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I t- putting myself in her position because that can happen to anybody, Very any woman, so. mm-hmm. and including myself. That could you, happen at the guy's house. You just exactly, go to the guy's house you, and he has friends 100%, around. And, and mm-hmm. so you're safe with this guy. People start coming in the room and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I, I said it before, but I'll say it again. There is something that happens. It's an immediate fear. No matter how big your mouth is, no matter how much you run your mouth, no matter how much you, you're a strong woman, no mm-hmm. matter how much, when you are realized, oh, shit. Like, it's just <laughs> me and six other dudes who can beat my ass right now if mm-hmm. I... I hate to be as so extreme, but it kind of is a life or death situation because you're kind of yeah. like a million. You're talking at least for a split second. You're for thinking that yeah. you're you you remember everything that people tell you. Don't do this. Don't go here. Don't stay out late. Don't make sure your skirt is not too short. Make sure you this. Make sure that. But all these things go through your minds, and you're like, even as a and man, this is even why as a man like I've walked into like trap house and I'm like, fuck, what am I really doing here? Right. You know what I mean? Like you walk into situations where you're like, yo. This could be really bad. Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine for a woman that walks into a room with like six guys that look like... Where there's nothing criminal happening, where yeah. she's not even thinking they could actually... Because ra- I've been in the same predicament, bro, like You've countless times. No, but in a trap house yeah, okay. where I shouldn't be. And um, yeah, I, I don't think of it that way. So I can very much so imagine that a woman is not thinking these three, four guys are going to try me. Two three hours later, yeah. after two three drinks, but and 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 also to both of your points to get back on it, like you said, because earlier we were speaking and you said the fact that she didn't really question three or four guys coming in the room means might have me, might mean that she has done she has been that position before with with, with three or four other guys in the room or whatnot. Maybe with Tupac with those same guys. Maybe. Well, she never mentioned it. Nobody yeah, ever said it before. Yeah. So let's assume that she's never done it with those guys. But maybe even if she's done it with other guys. Yo, once no is said, I agree. Well, that's it. <laughs> once no is said, I agree. And again, I say anymore. Tupac is wrong because yeah. once again, why do you let you like? If you want to try it, they come in and you see that she's uncomfortable. Then cancel that. Mm-hmm. Cancel that right then because it's no fun. Like even if you were crazy enough to go with it, it's no fun. Like the girl is yelling. Your boys are like struggling to keep her. Like, who who wants to do that? Like, it's it's horrible. It's just, and I guess that's a good reason why people have been like demanding that we have a women's perspective on this show because a lot of times we only come up with our perspective, like I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And 
The thing is, I still think there are holes in her story, but Tupac was wrong. But even with, with the holes in her story, her her story and Pac's story matches. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, it really does. And what and another thing that sucks also is it could have been a learning moment where Pac could have been like, yo, even if I didn't do shit, like I should have never let that happen. I should never let that happen. I should have not allowed. She came to see me, and even if it's just like surface. At the end of the day, let's just let's on the very very basic surface surface level. That's just bad matter. She came to see you, and you left. Yeah, that's that's crazy. On the the very like surface, you know, and you just left a girl there. That's crazy. Like, no, you know. And not only that, the media did a horrible job of only portraying Tupac as a rapist, whereas he wasn't. He wasn't a rapist, but he was there. But he was the name. He was the draw. Looking for scapegoat. He was. He was all that because he had shot the two cops before, so they they were out to get him. And she recognizes that. Yeah, she says that at the end of the interview. She she didn't want it to be the focus of her point, but she does recognize that. The, at least she did in the past. Yeah. Recognize that they were out to get him, but she doesn't want that to diminish what, what happened to her, her yeah. which is, I completely agree because yeah. if she had gone that route, which another Vlad question that you guys may have had a problem with, um, if she had gone that route, maybe some people would have diminished what happened to her because they would have been like, oh yeah, but the cops in the media were just out to get him. So they made you the victim and Tupac the scapegoat. But she wanted to say, yes, they might have... Mm want him in jail but i don't want that to diminish what happened to me because what happened to me happened no matter what whoever it was wherever it was it happened which is true and it's crazy because again she didn't say anything none of none of her like even if you're questioning everything she's saying it all matches what Pac said so i I don't see why people are commenting like she's doing something wrong who's really doing something wrong in all this is vlad because he's not doing his her service he's not doing Pac service he's not doing the me too movements like nobody nothing nobody gains anything but himself out of all this and and just to you know what she said at the end what she did you know say that she's fully aware well aware that the media and the the police wanted Pac because of what he did blah, blah blah and all this stuff you have to think if she was really just doing this, like just making the shit up out of thin air, right? She would not say things like that. Like mm. you don't, you do not have enough sense in your mind. If you were just trying to create, let's just say something out of nothing. And if these things didn't really happen, you don't, you don't sit there and be like, but I also understand that the police wanted him. And if this was Joe down the street and wouldn't have got this type of attention yeah. and I probably wouldn't have even had a case, yeah. you know what I mean? They probably would have been like, oh, okay. She yeah, actually said that, right? She actually said yeah. that. You don't, you don't say things like that if you are out to, to get, pur- yeah. purposely get somebody who didn't do anything to you that you are just making these false a- allegations against, you know? Mm-hmm. So when she said that to me, I was kind of just like, yeah, no. This- yeah, I, 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 just, I don't see. And again, I think most people that are defending Pac or defending Vlad are just seeing it as fans and not as human beings. Like we have to yeah, see it through different lenses, too. man. You can't just see it as yo. And that, that's another thing that I, I think is a, a story about all this is when these things happen to to our, our our idols or whatnot, we tend to make excuses for them. Yeah. Like even when I'm not, I'm gonna be honest. The whole Russell Simmons things, I was like. For like a split second, I was in denial. I was like, nah, there's no way Russell did that shit. There's no yeah, way. Really but be. then I started thinking, yo, Russell was... I'm talking. Yeah. Russell was dating like <laughs> yeah, but, 18-year-old models at like 40 years old. And Russell was on crack and coke all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. So that motherfucker was probably 
raping chicks left and right. But that's the thing. We have to remember that we actually don't know these people. Yeah. We mm-hmm. just know what they show us. We know their accomplishments. We, we don't know, know what they but do we don't know exactly who they are in their everyday regular ass life. And people get so caught up that oh they're slut they would never did this, they did this for the culture they did this for hip hop mm-hmm. they did this for Hollywood that's great but but behind closed doors people that person women, might be a jackass right and women had to the fact is it's true like men in power do hold their position of power over women who are trying to get in the doors mm-hmm. and they do it happens, over men so they do it twice as hard know? over women like we know this shit girls women are, are this is not a secret to us yeah. when the whole Me Too movement started we. You know, a lot of my friends and I kind of sat down and we were just like, yay that it's coming out. But it's yeah. like, this is nothing new to us. Yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. know how this shit works. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's a very, finally people are shedding light on it. You know, and then people started saying, what kind of pissed me off even too was just like, okay, I'm tired of the Me Too movement. Well, no, actually. Yeah, yeah. It just started. <laughs> it just started and it's important. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really important to, because it takes a lot to... One, it takes a listen. I, I I tell my my real life stories every single day. I write my I write books about actual incidents that happened to me in my life, and it takes a lot to be able to put your shit out there. So imagine what it what it must take for a woman to stand up in front of the world, in front of a place where she needs her job, where she's working, to say to everybody, "Hey, this man right here, he raped me." When she knows there's going to be backlash, when she knows who she is, who he is in that position, position. she knows, you know, imagine how much that has to take, you know? So, so people just come make me sick, man. (laughs) (laughs) You also mentioned that you do a podcast. I do. You're also part of a podcast today, baby. But yeah, you also mentioned that you do a podcast. What is the podcast about? She's just so cute. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, You're like, this is right not now. a party right now. I'm glad you think this is cute. No, uh, no, I've, really. <laughs> um, So I do two podcasts. One, I do a collab with another girl from another platform. And then the one I do on my own um, is just, I just shoot the shit. I talk about things that, whatever I feel like talking about. I also have like an a really big audience. So they also feed me. You know, they'll be like, they, they often ask for my opinion on things. I utilize my Snapchat like crazy. And so they... Like whenever something happens, they're like, "What do you think about this beer? What do you think about that?" So I, so I often feed off of what they they just ask me to talk about, right? Okay. And um, how did you start doing podcasting? Because you said you do two different ones. So I was totally I had I didn't even know what a podcast was. I could care less. Honestly, okay. I I couldn't care less. That's funny. A lot Thanks. of people say that. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm just kidding. Like, I was like, I don't I don't care. And um, what had happened was a girl. Was trying to get, do an interview with me. She lives in, she lives in Guatemala, but she's from the United States. Yeah, and she was trying to interview me for her podcast. Mm-hmm. So she kept reaching out to me, and I didn't know who she was or what she wanted. I'm very, and I'm also very skeptical about people reaching out to me because nowadays people reach out to me just to use me, and I'm very very full aware way, of that. I hit her up like, "Hey, what's up?" And apparently that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I was like, "Freddie, you're lucky it was you because you would have got deleted." Like. <laughs> No, as soon as I see what's up, it gives me anxiety. I I decline because here's my thing. I feel like if you're like, I'm very like, get. I need bullet points. Like, Mm. get to what's up. How are you? Listen, this is blah blah blah. blah. Like, I need to know what's happening. So when I open my inbox, because I don't want to have small talk. Mm. I just don't care to do that. You know. I feel you. So that's completely feel you. And even sometimes when people reach reach out to work with me and they say what's up, I think that it's so ridiculous. Like, do you? Apply for a job saying what's up? Mm. No, you don't. Like, what do you? You don't send any CV. What's up? 
<laughs> so you just fear that works. some dude trying to holler at you yes, in your I DMs. Yes, I do. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not interested. And I'm think, I understand it, but since we're cordial, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, I got to say hi first. He's like, oh, Freddie, you're lucky it's you. What, do you want? <laughs> what can I do for you, Freddie? What is it? And what's funny is <laughs> the last message I sent you was probably fucking seven years, six, seven years ago. You're like, don't talk to me about such and such. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last so just recently, like. No, no, no. This is years okay, ago. Okay, okay, okay. Well, like, we hate each other. Like, we probably comment mm-hmm. on each other's stuff, but we don't really talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the last time I actually messaged her about something, she's like, yo, don't talk to me about such and such. I want to hear about it. <laughs> that's that funny. Like <laughs> I guess that's where we're going to end the episode. Yeah. I mean, we're glad that you came. It's, it's really unfortunate. And I want to apologize because my baby, I thought she would be way calmer today. She but was, but usually yeah. she, she is. Limits, it's the first, I guess. And I was right. testing those limits and I was wrong. I was minutes. dead wrong. 20 minutes is her limit, right. I think. I guess because. Um, nah, she was good. Yeah. But uh, I'm just, you know, I, hopefully, you know, the listeners, she didn't bother them too much. But yes, uh, I'm glad that you came. I'll be checking out your books. Definitely. Uh, you said that's two out of six. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Tell I'll, us I'll where be... you can find the books, actually. Yeah. Uh, you can find my books across all Amazon, you know, Amazon.com.ca, all Amazon channels. You can also find them on BarnesandNobles.com. <laughs> Under CCB? Like yeah, you, CCB. Author CCB, yeah. okay. BarnesandNobles.com, TheBookDepository.com. That's where they ship internationally. Yeah, basically any online retailer bookstore, you can find them. And um, where can the people get in touch with you on social media? So it's the Crimson Kiss uh, on everything. The Crimson Kiss is my Snapchat, it's my Instagram. My Instagram is obviously where I'm most, you know, for my for my writing. My Snapchat, my Twitter, and my podcast is so also the Crimson Kiss. Crimson Kiss thing. Well, that's a great thing. I mean, I mean, like I said, I'm the reason why I'm glad that you came is because we've been asked for weeks. To have a woman's perspective on the podcast. I mean, she's trying to bring that voice for us today. But yeah, we wanted, like I said, sometimes people may perceive our opinions to be somewhat macho. Mm -hmm. So um, having a woman's perspective telling her, telling us how she feels, how she would feel in that situation is also sometimes a good thing because it helps us see things in a different way. I thought, no, I'm, and I'm very happy to be the woman that you guys chose. I thought that you guys needed a woman too. I can't even lie. From I seen the episode about, what did the guy say? He's like, I don't like strippers. They make me uncomfortable with something. And oh, yeah, yeah, with the like, FML like, podcast You, you commented on yeah, that. Yeah, someone was like, do you look at Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> I was like. I, th- was I think like, we said that too. Yeah, I was like, that was the fucking best. Because we're laughing and it's scary. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember you commenting on that. But that's oh. funny. I was like, yeah, you guys need. You guys need a woman. To, to <laughs> yeah, we need her mother right now to come out. and pick her up. That's what we need. <laughs> but it's always good to have, um, I feel like, especially when it's two, when you guys are doing a, when you're by yourself, you're by yourself. But whenever mm-hmm. you're doing, any time it's like either two women, three women, two men, two, three mm-hmm. men, whatever, it's always good to have an opposite sex, at least one, just yeah. to give like a little balance. Yeah, you know? yeah I completely agree. Honestly, it's getting guests that actually, it's, it'd be easy to have a woman here anyway. Getting guests that are compelling. Yeah. Or they that's, have something that's, to say. Yeah, right. they have something to say. We or don't want to. Or they're doing something that people are interested in. Yeah, we don't just want to get someone to get someone in here and they don't have much to say. That makes you, sense. We know that you're an author. We know that you have a podcast, so we figure that you'd be able to, you know, tell us what you think. Freddie's like this girl runs her mouth all the time on on Facebook. She always has controversial statuses and she always pisses people off. Let's get her. <laughs> 
So yeah, man, this is the end of the episode. As usual, people, you could li- you could find the episodes on TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes. You can also holler at us on the website, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, FML Podcast That Life, YouTube as well. I always forget YouTube. Uh, the videos are on YouTube every week. So yeah, man, holla at us. Uh, holla at CCB on her social media. Comment on this episode. Let us know how much Kennedy may have bothered the episode. And, uh, you know, we won't bring her back on. I'm just joking. Oh, <laughs> I'm just joking. It's okay. Until then, oh, okay. man. See y'all next week. Peace, Peace out.